Blog Talk Radio. Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. We and our guests discuss relationships and health and wellness, each of which contributes to meaningful and fulfilling lives. This is Justina, your host. I'm a former practicing lawyer and the founder of Intersections Match, the only elite national matchmaking company focused on singles of South Asian descent nationwide in the U.S. I'm very excited to welcome Bhuvaneshwari Bhagat to our show tonight. Bhuvaneshwari is an Indian marriage counselor holding a master's degree in medical psychiatric social work from the Tata Institute of Social Sciences. I met Bhuvaneshwari in uh, 2008, I believe, when we both uh, sat on a panel at the annual NetIP conference where we filtered questions from the audience regarding relationships. I'm very excited to continue the dialogue with Bhuvaneshwari here tonight. Welcome, Bhuvaneshwari. Thank you. Thank you, Justina. As a professional dating coach and matchmaker focused on singles of South Asian descent, I'm fascinated by insights and perspectives regarding relationships looked at from a cultural lens. Since your counseling practice, uh, likewise, focuses on South Asians, I'd love to explore some of the insights you've encountered, um, both to increase awareness among singles who are interested in meeting prospective life partners, as well as people in relationships who'd love to further improve the connection they uh, share with their partners. So, Bhuvaneshwari, what are the demographics of the people who, t- who typically seek your services? Um, the demography of the people who call me typically are people who are the two sections, right? One is married group, and then there are people who are not yet married but are almost in the pipeline when they're engaged um, and are looking to be married very soon, have a partner in mind, and hence already face some situations where they think um, it doesn't seem to be going in the right way, so perhaps we need to talk to somebody. So uh, these are the two broad sort of categories between, even even though it's called Indian marriage counseling, there are people for relationship counseling who call me prior to being married. Within marriage, yes. Hello, can I? Yeah. Okay. So what um what are the most common issues that you encounter with um, in your counseling? The the biggest issue have is a disconnect between couples uh, in, in, the, in the sense of uh, it starts off with a with family issues or if you don't have issues, it's a huge communication issue between the two of you and uh, a general disinterest in, in particularly being married in the sense of, you know, disinterest in the individuals who you've grown up to be and um, sort of feel that 
this is not the first time. Hello, Bhuvaneshwari. Yes, I can hear you, but there seems to be some other sounds, so I don't know. Yeah, I believe you're you're breaking up on the line. Is there another? Um, you know, I'm wondering if uh, maybe you know, is there another line you might be able to call from, or it's just breaking up a bit, and I'm not able to follow. Can you hear me now better? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, so we okay. can. Okay, so um, I'm gonna actually ask. Cause I, I I couldn't. It was breaking up, so I couldn't. I'm sure our listeners couldn't quite follow. Um, so you were talking about the most common issues that you encounter in your counseling practice. Um, you know, the, you, the, yeah, the most common uh, issues I would say are related to family issues. Given that you know, when we marry, we marry into each other's families, and not just you know, just the two individuals coming together. And the number two issue is the communication issue. Uh, you know, sometimes there's over-communication or there's completely a lack of communication. And then there are issues of sex and money. And I think these are the top four categories of, you know, issues that people have. Okay. Well, let's, let's as you mentioned, the first one, the family issues, is, um, you know, one of the dominant ones. What what are some of the best ways, what what in particular are some of the issues um, you see in terms of the family issues, and what are some of the best ways to address those issues you do? I think the best way to address this is to remember that marriage means you have to be a team. You know, often people just think once you're married, you think you've done the biggest thing ever, and then now it's all about, you know, sort of just living your life. I think... You know, the wedding is like my, you know, my my website says, wedding is one of the biggest things that you sort of put your attention into. But more importantly, I think people should focus on how to sustain the relationship and sort of, you know, the of being married. And uh, people often, uh, you know, get into just sort of focus on, you know, we have to get married, I found the right girl, you know, and sort of get into the whole big day celebration and then when they actually get into the everyday life, there's a lot of issue that gets built up with the drama of the biggest event that takes place. So meaning from, you know, what I should be wearing, what my mom me to wear, and um, sort of, you know, uh, small cultural differences, food differences, customary differences. Uh, believe it or not, even in this day and age, you could be a banker, you could be, uh, you know, a top-ranking uh, uh, professional, but still have these sort of uh, misunderstandings that sort of get built up to being a huge communication issue, building into a family issue. Yes. Well, now to preempt or mitigate, um, you know, some of those issues. Are there any particular topics that you recommend, or um, you know, a couple consider or address prior? To like the, you know, committing to the to that big day and committing to the um, to the marriage itself. Um, what what are your suggestions? Just kind of looking at it from a preventative um, you know perspective. Uh, I would I would very strongly recommend anybody who is just sort of thinking of getting into this you know matrimonial sort of togetherness life. I would say that first believe in the team, have the conviction, have the built-in trust that you know you're. It is about standing by your partner. It's not about the mother. It's not about the father. It's not about the sister. It's not about the brother. These are all peripheral issues. I think often people constantly think, you know, I can fix, I can take care of my husband, I can take care of my wife later. Let me now address 
you know, my mom's concerns or my dad's concerns or whatever, be it, you know, or even if it's some relative, you know. I think it's it's about remembering that you have to be a team, a very strong team, have a conviction, have that faith and the trust built in. And, you know, you have to work on it. You can't think about, um, you know, oh, you know, I think I, you know, I can't talk about this in front of him. Or sort of there are certain taboo things, you know, about my mom I really can't talk about in front of her or in front of him. Um, I think you have to the sort of a relationship between the two of you that brings both of you as a team rather than sort of, you know, um, looking at it as um, my family, my issues, her family, her issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I you know, believe in the team and really work to um, establish and sustain that team. What... Um, how would you recommend to people who are having um, difficulties with their families accepting that team um, in terms of, um, you know, the two individuals um, wanting to establish that team but facing some resistance um, from from family or some difficulty from family members in, in, in doing that? Um, what, what recommendations might you make for that? It's a difficult one, I know. But any anything... Are you talking about people who are already married, or are you talking about people who are looking for consent in families prior to marriage? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, let's start with the first the first stage, which is looking for um, you know consent and acceptance prior to the marriage. Yeah. Um, so um, let's take that. That's a classic example in this all often multicultural sort of relationship. And the, the clock. You know, parents always wish for the best for their children, and they say, you know, we are open to you marrying anybody, A, B, C, D, E, F. You know, they go on with the categories of the people they could pick. Um, and if you if you don't have an approver and you fear that your parents are not going to approve and you dearly wish that you get married to the last person you picked, I think they approach that for consent with not to shock them uh, and not to sort of uh, give them, you know, information just to sort of try out and see, let me go and tell my mom about this girl I'm dating or, I, you know, and see what her reactions are. Instead of sort of testing them, you know, sort of in layers, I would say that first have the conviction. You're sure you're going to get married, then okay, what are the top three reasons you have the conviction that this is the life partner you choose? Clearly, there's happiness. Clearly, you we are you know we're sort of taking it for granted that you're going to be happy with this person and you see a life of togetherness. And after that comes the practical issues of, in spite of the cultural differences, why do you think this is the person that's most deemed fit for you, right? I think you have to look at it almost like sort of a scientific you know equation to sort of present it to a very rational set of people. Even though there might be high melodrama, there might be irrationality, all of it, I think the conviction has to first run by you as to why you're picking so-and-so to be. And, ah. uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So having conviction and then basically sort of establishing the case, looking at it, evaluating um, that, and then just, you know, presenting it, like you said, yes. to, um, yes. to your loved yes. ones. Right. Yes, because, you know, the moment you sort of, when you go and tell them, okay, you know, so-and-so is who I want to marry, and parents immediately will come up, say, with three things why they think is not the best reason, you know, and this could be not even diversely very different sort of a person, you know, the same, perhaps same Indian, perhaps regionally different, 
And the parent would have, oh, you know, they don't eat meat, we eat meat, or you you don't eat meat and they eat meat, something as simple as that. I think you have to look beyond those things to have that conviction, and you should very well play around with all of this prior, not just to be manipulative, but very sincerely sort of look over these things, because if you're looking for approval from your parents, you have to think like them um, to see what is it that they would oppose. Ah, okay. Putting yourself in their shoes, really, to see what the issues might be for them and figuring how how that can be addressed. But, again, coming from a place of conviction, and um, sometimes you find with your... Um, you know, with your, with your clientele that sometimes it might be a situation where um, there might be some respectful agreeing to disagree on certain things. I'd imagine that yes. probably happens, happens yes. quite a bit. Yes, oh. yes. No. Okay. Yes. And, I, and I think you also have to be prepared to know what is it that you really want at the end. You know, often, of course, we would, you know, want for everything to sort of play, uh, you know, sort of uh, fit into place. You know, you would like your parents' approval. You would like to have the three big days of a wedding celebration. You would like the, you know, every party to be sort of kept happy all the time. But sometimes and often it might not be in that sort of an order. And I think okay. you have to at some point say, okay, you know what, at the end, my my most important objective is to make sure I get married to the person I really want to. If at the end of it I'm going to have some level of discomfort in the way I'm going to communicate with my parents, I, I'm going to deal with it and, you know, I'm going to work on it later. But I need to make sure that at some level they agree, you know, might not be a complete, you know, um, sort of 100% satisfied uh, you know, agreed, but at least, like you said, you know, you agree to disagree on some levels and then move on. Okay, okay. Have that end goal in mind and figure out. Now, what are some of the communication issues that you see, um, you know, among whether it's people who come to you prior to, um, well, let's actually talk about the communication issues you see in people who are married and are coming to you for marital counseling, who are already committed to each other. What are some of those communication issues that are most difficult? Um, it's very interesting. You know, it's often things that they, um, there's a lot of things while you date, when you sort of are seeing each other, you don't pay attention to. Or you think, you ah. don't even think about it. You just sort of uh, are, not to sort of uh, push it as, you know, you're in cloud nine, you don't pay attention, but I think genuinely people don't really sort of think beyond, you know, the time that they are in. And fair enough, you know, you don't want to sort of be so calculative thinking about, okay, you know, how is it going to be when we actually live together? Is he going to, you know, are we going to have the same accounts? Are we going to, you know, can I still send money to my folks? Uh, is, are we, like, saving up for his sister's wedding? I mean, a lot of things, right? Money is one aspect of it. Um, even things about, you know, food habits and uh, how close should parents live, how far should, uh, you know, sisters live, whatever. Um, and I think when those, some of the things, there's only so much you're going to sit and discuss prior to your wedding, right? And when you start living after marriage, a life of togetherness, say the first time you have a disagreement or um, a sort of a conflict in your everyday life, it's the, um, when you start talking to each other, you realize that um, she doesn't get me or doesn't get me because that's not my point. My point is not to say that your mom can't come stay with us, my point is I don't want her to come into the kitchen and rearrange all of the things. So I think there is, a, you know, there's one level the man says she comes, but she helps us so much, she's so supportive, 
and the woman trying to say, you know, so it's it's really the perspective, and it's about how there are a lot of lines that you just don't think to sort of explain. And I think there's a lot of um, there's also a lot of uh, pressure in today's urban lifestyles people lead, or um, you know, everybody's working, everybody is preoccupied. There's only a few hours in a day that they actually leave for only the two of them to communicate. So if okay. you just have two hours of togetherness, really, quote-unquote, on an everyday basis, where you are not doing anything to talk about with each other, um, and, uh, you know, so that leads to already a lot of pressure that, okay, I have only one more hour to sort of deal with this issue. So you are rushing. You don't want to sit down and sort of, you know, give it a fair thought. So it, comes, it starts off with a rushed way of sort of trying to make a point, or there's a complete indifference, or there's a complete indifference. There are two extremities in South Asians typically. Either they over-communicate where the other person completely shuts down, or there's a complete indifference and you sort of um, say, okay, he's not anyway interested, so let me do what I want to do. And then one day he wakes up and says, I had no idea you were shelving up this sort of, you know, you were doing this, or you, you sort of were doing this with X with money or B with your parents or, you know, whatever, or you'd never talk to my folks every time they called. Um, it adds up. It's not about, you know, one particular thing at one time. Mostly it's it's a pattern. It's family issues. They add up. And then after 10, 10 times of repetition, 11th time it becomes the biggest issue in communication. Same thing with money. Same thing with um, say, careers or you know, choices about children and things like that. Um, I think it's a pattern that goes on, and then at one point somebody snaps in and says, okay, what's going on? I've been trying to tell you, and you don't get it. Mm. Um, yeah. Now, I'm curious, do you tend to see different issues um, in couples with, who had, you know, quote, an arranged marriage versus, you know, quote, a love marriage? Or um, like, have you do you have you seen kind of patterns, any differences, um, you know, between your clients who have gone one way or the other? Um, you know what's sad is um, they're not very different. I mean, um, the one thing that comes um, distinctly sort of different is the um, the what do you call the amount of uh, baggage somebody has about family issues. I think. Sometimes far greater because you really have no choice, no control. Um, you sort of agree looking at the boy or the girl and sort of feel, okay, you know, I like this person, I'm getting married. And then you don't realize the quirks of the family members. While in a, in sort of a marriage where you've chosen your partner, have had the privilege to sort of, you know, date and things like that, um, it, it, it's actually quite sad because people even there don't focus or sort of, uh, sort of pay attention to some things that they actually see. They see very clear signs that there is going to be an issue in this family with my lifestyle, for example, or the way we live right now, or the interference of the folks, which they think is interference, while parents think it's being involved. Um, so to answer your question, I, I do think... Um, I, you know, it's only sort of different for in the beginning stage. Once you come to the core issues, they're all the same. I don't see any difference. And in fact, I see a lot more issues in people who make, um, you know, uh, they've chosen their own partners, and it's not really an arranged marriage. 
Okay, you see more issues. Um, are there any patterns in the issues? So one is you got you, in terms of the, the family issues, it sounds like, but that mm-hmm. sometimes be, um, mm-hmm. sometimes be greater, it sounds like. Is that, you know, is that because with the arranged marriage, you know, the families are coming together and you, that's a big component of, you know, what's the driver for the relationship to begin with, so one knows about the two families before getting into it? Is that Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and so is that so? And you said initially. You said later. But you said initially they tend they tend to be different issues. What um, what initially? Is this one of them that initially tends to be an issue? The the different the family and that kind of a. I think the intensity of how I mean the, in the beginning in an arranged marriage, for example, the say if the guy has an issue with the girl's side of uh, you know parents or the girl has an issue with the girl's boy side of parents, there is a very yeah. um, softer way of approach to it. You know, um, you know they take their time and then when they start living their nuclear married life is when or when they have an involvement or an interference of the parents is when they start voicing it or sort of saying about it or talking about it in the marriage, saying, oh, you know, I really can't do this, or, you know, sort of, it, it starts with a lot more guarded way of sort of approaching it. While in an, uh, in a marriage where you've chosen your partner, there is a level of freedom because you have known each other. So from day one, there is a level of, you know, when you see that, I really don't like your mom, for example. Um, I don't like the way she talks to me. I don't like the way she addresses me. So don't even ask me to uh, entertain any time she calls me. I'm not going to pick up the phone. Um, so there is a level of aggressiveness already in the beginning from both the parties. It's not about the woman or a man. It's both of them have that sort of discomfort, purely the comfort of knowing each other. So you're sort of able to voice it out. Um, it starts... You know, in one, a little more sort of, you know, a guarded, sort of slow approach. In the other one, you're bang onto it and saying, I won't do it, or this is not done, this is done, this is not done. Eventually, as they evolve, the issues and the core crux of it and how they sort of break down into, they all fall into the same sort of, you know, um, categories of what the issues are and the flow of it is all the same because it's about... Um, sort of, um, yeah, what do you call, embracing each other's families, accepting the parents, sort of accepting lifestyle changes, accepting some of the quirkiness that people bring in, and sort of uh, being able to look, see the big thing as a counselor, I always tell people, remember that those are all peripheral. At the end of it, it's about the two of you. How do you lose focus that you chose to marry each other? Um, agreed there is a greater, you know, involvement of the parents, greater involvement, you know, brother-in-law who lives, sister-in-law, whatever, right? But at the end of it, there is a lot that you both feel common about, or the lot that you both love about each other. There's a lot that you connected with the two of you that got you to being together. At what level do you feel suddenly that she won't get this, you know, I can't deal with this? How do you start segregating that point? At what point does that happen in a relationship? And I think that's the most important time to sort of, um, you know, pick the immediately when that happens. That oh my gosh, I don't see that. You know, get it. I I don't like it. This is not the way it should be. And I think the first time it happens, if you can intervene in the best right way, communicate the right way, and get it out of your system in the right way, and sort of fix it it won't cascade into an issue. 
often i think um, either there is a level of confidence in the relationship or there's a lack of it that lets uh, it sort of uh, to um, cascade into something that's not too pleasant ah okay well, do you tend to see different issues in couples where one person was, let's say, born and raised in the U.S. or in the West and the other in India um, versus both people being from the same country, whether it be India or the U.S.? There is definitely difference of um, issues in that. I think um, I, I, I always tell people being an immigrant itself brings in a whole lot of issues in everybody's lives. I think being an immigrant is not easy, um, given that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, not to sort of uh, romanticize that it's all struggle and, you know, uh, sort of it's very hard, but I think A, it's hard as an immigrant. Two is also the fact that um, you have a certain set of family, especially if there's someone who's for most part been born and raised in India or in, you know, uh, any other South Asian part of the uh, countries. And they come here and then sort of meet their partners who were born and raised in America. Um, I think there is a fundamental sort of there is there is definitely an, a change in the way there's a difference in how their lifestyles are or the way they think. More importantly, and then when they start living their lives, there is a huge um, sort of a disconnect that grows, and they start seeing the differences as they get older. So typically, I have um, clients, you know, five years into marriage, 18 years into marriage, 10 years into marriage, uh, who call me, who are the ones who are, you know, one partner is from the U.S., the other from, um, you know, uh, from the other subcontinent. Oh, interesting. So what, um, in those couples that call you five to 15 years into their marriage, what, what are the things you see? Um, what are they? What are their issues, right? Uh, the biggest issue is that they all have parents living in India or in, okay. you know, the subcontinent. And uh, the the fact that there is a level of giving back, it causes a huge issue in uh, the relationship for people who live here. Um, you know, the partners who are from here question why is it that we have to give back so much uh, mm-hmm. for people in India, you know, whether it's the parents, siblings, whoever it is that, uh, you know, money, for example, and then two, the time that you have to spend back in India. There are a lot of people who feel very easy of the fact that they've chosen to live here and they have parents who are, you know, aging in India or, you know, and they have, uh, you know, siblings who are doing, they all are doing very well, but I think it is typically an immigrant sort of uh, void that draws them into thinking that they need to sort of play this role, and the only role is either resources or perhaps once in a while a chunk of time that you can give, which would mean most of your vacation time for typically any couples. And then there are issues revolving around that, that, you know, all of our time goes in going back only to one country. Um, And it seems very, you know, actually just, you know, when we speak about it, it seems sort of very, um, not I won't say frivolous, but sort of very... um, shallow and sort of superficial, but there are a lot more sort of in-depth layers and layers of emotions and issues that gets built in into these sort of, you know, sort of um, what I call uh, issues. Um, uh, and the, one of the biggest ones that I've seen is the fact that the number, amount of resource that goes back into India 
from here and people have you know difference of opinion on why should we be sending so many dollars um, and uh, you know th- that brings in a huge um, discomfort in the relationship and sort of a disconnect in the relationship interesting now I'm wondering, do you have any, so based on your experience as a marriage counselor, with respect, how to assess compatibility before making the decision to enter into marriage? That's big compatibility, the biggest thing there. Um, any any insights with respect to that? Um, I think compatibility, you know, I, I would actually tell people that, you know, when you think of getting married, answer certain questions. Why do you want to get married? Um, often people, you know, have, you know, very uh, typical sort of an idea of why they're getting into marriage. And then when they start, uh, you know, being, you know, sort of living a married life, they see, you know, oh, she's not like this or he's not like that. And you're questioning, wh- how, why did you think this person will be like that? You know, was that any of any priority for you? You know, um, was it important for you that the house should be a certain way, it should be kept a certain way, or there's only so much religious uh, sort of involvement one should have? Or like, you know, all of the things. So I think, A, it's very important to know who you are um, and what are your needs and why is it that you're looking for a life partner? And then what does marriage mean to you? What really does marriage mean to you? Is it about your family? meaning your parents, and you would see classically people describing when you ask them, what does marriage mean to you when they are single? If somebody starts off saying, my mom, my dad, my sister, me, you know, I see that as a family, and then my wife, I want a wife, you know where the priorities lie. Well, yeah. if someone, yeah. So it's about how they think, and I think it's, it, 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 there's nothing wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong, but I think it's very important to know who you are and then why a marriage is important to you. And then you can sort of address what that marriage will mean to you and who this person is and what it entails, and then you get into, you know. I think if you typically get the nail down for the two, top two question about, you know, who you are, what you're, what is it that, you know, are you looking for in a marriage, then when you come across that person, most of your compatibility thing starts rolling out easily. Often people don't really focus on who they are. They're only focusing on the other person. You know, oh, she's also vegetarian. She's this, she's that, or he's this, or he's that. But how does that relate to who you are is more important. Okay, you know? who you are and what you're looking for in a marriage. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. So tell me, um, to fine-tune this a little bit, you know, again, based on your clinical experience, what... Um, you know, what recommendation would you make to single Indian women seeking their life partners? Just based on what you've seen, patterns and that kind of thing, any particular uh, suggestions you might make to, you know, daughters and, and um, women, Indian women who are... You're asking about suggestions for single South Asian women. Oh, women yeah, seeking their life partners. Just based on, you know, from your perspective as someone who, um, you know, has seen... Has Issues later in there, you know, after commitments have been made, yeah, or even yeah, yeah. So any anything in particular, you just as suggestions or insights yeah. or things to keep in mind. Um, anything? I, 
I think, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's the core. I, I would say I agree to a lot of the superficial needs that one would have, some of it. I think it's important. You need to have, you know, somebody with a full head of hair and taller and blah, blah, all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. fine. But I think at the end, I think it's, you have to go a little one notch to the next step to figure out, will I am I going to be happy with this person? And when you say happy, it's about, again, that you're touching the cord of, you know, uh, will he and I stand by each other when we have any, you know, when you are going to have any disagreement or a discomfort? And it's not to necessarily to make everyone think about a discomforted sort of a time. It's more about knowing that here is someone I know loves me for who I am. And the ones who won't really worry about, oh, you shouldn't be eating that dessert because you're going to gain another pound on it. Or, you know, you already had your glass of whatever, red wine. I don't know. I think people think, oh, he's so watchful of, you know, he really likes the way I look. But I think those exact same sentiments will cause issues in the married life because there's a heavy control issue. So I think some of the things you really should be sort of watchful of is the control issues. I think um, you don't want someone who's sort of speaking a certain way with you. You want to be someone with whom you can just be who you are and don't have to be really, you know, sort of prepared to have a rendezvous. You know, you should be able to go out to the guy you want to go out and come back home and say, you know, I had a good time. It didn't matter whether I got my nails done, my hair done, I looked the perfect. I think it's important. It's really important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you've got to go in your sweat. I think, but they, you should be enough comfortable to let yourself down some time and feel that it's just not official, but there is an element of, you know, um, there's more in this relationship than I have the comfort. And two, I think it's important to be able to speak your mind with a partner you are. And if you're not able to do that before marriage, I think um, there is obviously post. So I think um, you should definitely, you know, sort of be able to be who you are, be able to speak your mind, and also sort of... Uh, can you hear me, Jasmina? Yes, yes, I can hear you very well. You were okay. saying be who you are and um, be comfortable speaking your mind. Yes, and also be watchful of the signs when someone is talking to you with these sort of uh, language where they're in the name of sort of being watchful and admiring of your weight and height uh, are also actually being, you know, very controlling of what you do. So, um, and again, you know, I think I would say you should, and I think it's also about what they prioritize when they speak. Um, and this goes for the boys and the girls. I mean, it's not just about the women sort of paying attention to the man, but I think it's also for the man. I mean, it's about what they say. Do not even think that if it's just before marriage, perhaps he will or she will change post-marriage. Um, and we're not talking about, you know, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. We're talking about people who've sort of, you know, grown up, 25-plus, and so there is a certain level of behavioral pattern that's already sort of established, so there's no reason they're going to dramatically change post-marriage. So especially, you know, habits and, um, you know, I thought she's not going to go out so much, you know, or he's going to go out so much. Um, he said he doesn't smoke. And I think some of it is all superficial indicators, smoking, drinking, um, what you wear, where you live, how you live, what you do with your life. I had someone who called and said, oh, she's a baker. My gosh, how can you just live as a baker all your life? You have a degree. But she's clearly said she's interested in baking, you know. 
that's what she did while you met her. Um, mm-hmm. So I think don't take something as, you know, something that attracts you because when you're single, you just think, wow, you know, she's she's a French baker. How cool is that? Post-marriage, post-marriage, you're like, all she does is baking, and now she's not, she's not even into baking. And and the girl says, but I've always never done anything consistently. I've always looked at my career as my career has never been of one particular A type A. I've done once baking, then I did interior designing. You know, mm-hmm. um, so the you know the the point is, and then it becomes that the guy is like, my gosh, she can never have it. She doesn't know what it is to have a responsible life. You know, um, just because somebody went into an Ivy League school or something. Um, it doesn't mean that they're going to be a certain kind. It's I think it, you have to pay attention to what they do currently, why they do what they do, and sort of then know who you are and sort of you know what we spoke earlier. I think all of that sort of comes in the whole circle where you start interacting, seeing all of these things. Don't I mean I know some of these things sound very like oh it's really cool you know uh, what appeals to you should appeal to you 40 years down the lane. Why wouldn't it appeal to you three years down the lane? Right. Um, Why? Yeah. No. That. Um, yeah. No. That's. Um, that's right. Pay attention to what they do now, and you know, expect that there will be more of the same later. So, if you don't like it now, it's unlikely you're going to like it later. And if you like it, you should be. You know, you should be clear that that's something you are going to be okay with for for years to yes. come. Uh, yes. And I think the big another right. big reason is also because people think before marriage, certain behavior is okay. And after marriage, certain behavior is different. And I say that, and I think that's where I say to everyone that you need to know what you want then. Because you have a certain roadmap ahead of you in your head about what it is prior and what it is after. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. is really cool for your for your wife, who is not a wife yet, to be a baker. And once she is your wife, can't just be a baker. I mean, why? I mean, why can't she just be a Pilates teacher, for example? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the and it's not just. I think it's about. It's just. I think there's more to it. Of course, I'm just giving it as an example. But yeah. I, I think this whole, this whole, this whole um, pattern of the girl that you've chosen is that you know she's drifted from different interests. That's how she's lived. Now, why does that suddenly seem as an issue once you're post your marriage? And that sort of gets connected to everything that they do, and that becomes a marital issue then, right? Now it's about, you know, whether it's about raising kids, whether it's about, you know, sort of keeping up a home, about how you deal with parents. Everything is connected now suddenly to this one behavioral aspect um, about, you know, oh, there's inconsistency, there's no concept of any responsibility. So I think the point I'm making here is, you need to be aware of who you are. And many a time, believe it or not, just Bina, often men and women tell me, especially men tell me, I didn't know this. I, I really didn't know that this is what I will want when I'm 40. This is how I will look at my family life. And um, and they say, perhaps I should have done counseling while I was dating. I didn't. I, I really didn't think. Um, and yeah, what are some? That's interesting. What are some of the things that come up in terms of, like you said, you know, especially with, you know, when men are, you know, you know, I didn't know that this, or I didn't know that this is what I 
wouldn't want or something. What, what are some of those things that come up? I mean, I'm sure there's quite a variety, but still, have you seen any patterns in that? Or I think the typical ones are the ones that, you know, when, when a type A girl or a type A guy like a woman who is not the type A, you know, she could have a uh-huh. type A resume. I mean, you could have gone to a top five uh, B school or, a, a, you know, whatever, undergrad schools, but yeah. you've chosen to do things that are very different, meaning you lived a year in Africa, for example. And now, right. post two years of marriage, she tells you that both of us shouldn't be slaving like this in New York City. We should go and live, um, say, uh, you know, six months out somewhere else. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And you're completely taken aback, and you're like, this, I, I would have never seen this coming. But mm-hmm. you know the so I think some of the things are is too that's why I say that you you have to not be so blown away by the trait of your opposite partner for what they do that the both are misleading each other you know you're smitten you're in awe you're blown away but it's so temporary right you're blown away by the fact that she climbed Kilimanjaro she did this she did that or he did this he did that but the moment you are in a you know in a confined relationship you suddenly find that as like a ghastly um you know point ah so some of the differences that were very attractive during the kind of courting or like premarital stage become um become differences that actually cause yes. uh you know cause problems later okay yes. Yes. okay so so tell me you know um is there any last thought? These insights have been very helpful. Um, is there any last thought or capable message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, I'd just say that, you know, focus on some of the things, like I said, which is, you know, remember that marriage is, uh, you know, it's about being a team. Uh, you know, as much as everyone says we get married into our families and all of that, I think you can pay attention to your families. If you are a team, you know what the two of you, uh, if you can respect each other's sentiments, respect each other's feelings, and uh, learn to communicate. And it's, there's always a learning, you know, point at every step. Um, it's never a point where you feel, I know her or I know him. I think there's always some room for learning. So, um, give the benefit of doubt, uh, be a good listener, and uh, remember to be a team. You know, you both are the most important people in a relationship. I think uh, everybody else is peripheral, including children. I always tell this to people. Um, and that would be my sort of, you know, sort of push to many South Asian couples, that uh-huh. often we overrate, I mean, sort of overarchingly we talk about families and children and um, extended families and all of that, and I think uh, agreed it's very important. But if you're not a team, everything else sort of will sort of fall down like a pack of cards. I think if you can stay as a team, I think you can then sort of battle any differences, any sort of you know discomfort, any miscommunication. Um, but it's important to sort of remain and sort of focus that I want to build this relationship with my husband and with my wife. Ah, uh, okay. And I guess in some ways you find when when couples are that team, they um, they in effect teach their um, their families how to treat each other and them as a couple and their significant other as well. It's a um, it becomes a you know a, you know it it becomes. It's, I, I mean, do you see that that like when couples sort of fall into 
I mean, families sort of fall into place a bit more when there is that team in yes, place. Yes, yes, and I think time is, yes, of course, and I, there, are, there are classic examples, there are lots of, you know, couples and the resources that are that are around that says that you know that if if you're able to and 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 also don't ever sort of go by any stereotypes. There's nothing to be ashamed to say in public that you do what your wife says or do what I, my husband says. I mean, I think those are sense of showing how much uh, security you have in a relationship, how much um, uh, how much of respect and understanding you have in a relationship. You know, there is. There's nothing sort of belittling to sort of say certain things in front of people. There are often, you know, a lot of South Asians who sort of feel, you know, I don't want to be that kind of a guy. Um, uh-huh. And I and I think that, or I don't want to be this, you know, woman who's just cooking and cleaning and be this sort of uh, atypical, you know, uh, housewife. I think those are stereotypes so much only if you sort of follow it. I think if you you just go by you know your conviction and your sort of focus on okay this is a woman I love and this is a person I would do anyways anything if I have to you know load the dishwasher clean the garbage do anything I would do it I would do it in front of my parents I would do it in not in front of my parents right mm-hmm. the point I'm making is there doesn't need to be a shift in your behaviors um or in your actions when there are a certain set of people. And I think that's another reason why there are discomforts and arguments or sort of this disbelief that, oh, my gosh, my husband or wife is completely different when my parents are around. Ah, okay. Um, okay. Um, so I think, you know, you don't have to uh, you you don't have to do those things. I mean, if you truly love and you believe in that relationship and there is a level of trust, you don't have to think, let me do this and later fix my marriage with my wife because I have the confidence. And then, you know, and sort of do the things that you think you have to please to your folks. Um, and I think parents, and also give it to your parents, that uh, they are much more, give the benefit of doubt that they will be able to handle to see the change that has come to you, you know. Um, you don't have to think that, oh, you know, my mom has never seen me like this, or, you know, they would think I'm just a henpecked husband or a wife who's just, my mom is going to be shocked that I'm a physician and I'm sitting and doing all this housework. Um, so I think for both men and women, I think all these um, cliched sort of ways of perception, I think they don't need to worry about, that's why I said before that these are all peripheral. I think you should really... Um, do the things that that you feel, you know, deemed important in your relationship. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you, Vinishri, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Okay, um, thank you very much, Jasmina. Um, and um, in case you joined us late or would like to share the show with people in your life, I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. And, Bhavneshwar, would you like to share any website with our listeners as well? Sure. I have a, you know, I have a website called IndianMarriageCounseling.com or DesiCounseling.com. And um, you can or otherwise Google my name, Bhuvneshwari Bhagat. Um, I live and practice in uh, New York City. And I do telephone online, all sorts of, you know, new age method of counseling, uh, both uh, marriage and pre-marriage counseling and actually family counseling. So, um, and I'm just a phone call away, 646-236-4743.
Excellent. And I appreciate your hanging out with us. And do email me with topics you'd like discussed in future shows. And make, us, make sure to enjoy, join us the next month's show. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good night.